pretty people. Happy Valentine's Day. Whether you celebrate or not, I think it's always an important holiday to do a little self-reflecting on the relationships that you have in your life and the love that you have in your life. Whether it's romantic or platonic or familial or self-love, I think taking time to analyze what you have or what you're looking for or what you want to work on next is always an important time. And Valentine's Day, whether we love it or hate it, is a marker once a year to be able to pause and, and take that time for yourself. So I hope I hope you take that time for yourself. I know I always do, and I'm always better for it. So anyway, as always, I'm Riley, and this is Sex With Everyone. Today I am in Macon, Georgia, and talking with Kobe. And Kobe is a trans woman who is very near and dear to my heart, and she has some seriously crazy stories for you guys today. She talks about growing up in the South and cross-dressing as a teenager and, you know, a lot of her earlier sexual experiences with her friend group and, and beyond. And then also through her time, you know, coming out and transitioning and what that experience was like for her, as well as being kinky as fuck and enjoying life in all of its various ways. We we go all over the place and it is a delightful conversation. So I will not hold you up any further. Let's fucking get into it. So please join me as I talk about sex with Kobe. Hey, Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, Riley. How are you? Uh, tired. <laughs> Me too. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, regardless, though, I am very excited to be doing this with you. I know a little bit of your story. I know a little bit of bits and pieces of different things that you've experienced mm-hmm. and different parts of your identity and... I'm just excited to learn more about you. little Kobe exploration. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm ready for this uh, exploratory uh, experience. Probing. (laughs) Probing. (laughs) Thank you for being my alien. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) In case you folks were wondering, we're getting weird today. (laughs) Oh my goodness. In such a good way. (laughs) So I know that you were born and raised in Macon. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what your experience there was. I know I know very little of Macon myself. I I always call it Necropolis Macon because it's uh, the history goes back because it's built on Indian mounds. And there's tons of them. There's not there. There is a park there, but there are Indian mounds like under communities and stuff that they keep finding. And so I always call it Necropolis Macon because there's more dead people there than there are living. And there's also this giant Victorian cemetery called Rose Hill that Mm. is fantastic. And I admit spent much of my teenage years in hanging out with a bunch of group of friends um, because that was sort of our quiet weirdo space. And uh, it's actually quite beautiful, especially at night because it's down by the river. And um, it's such a weird town. Like, mm-hmm. there's been so many musicians and artists that have come from there, so many writers and stuff. And uh, I don't know, it's such a unique place. It's hard to describe. It's also, going back to the death thing, 
it it's a murder capital for a while of the <laughs> what? U.S. Yeah, it was like it was like <laughs> one of the top five places to get murdered in the U.S. for quite some time. And and the wow. thing is, is that there's news articles going back to like the early 1920s and stuff that talk about all the murders in Macon. So it's not like a new thing. I don't know what it is with that place, but um, I remember when we were death was just kind of like there the entire time when i was growing up like i remember one time we were we were gaming we were role playing at a friend's house in an apartment complex and someone jumped off the roof wasn't wasn't our group just one of the people we knew them because they were in the apartment complex the cops had to be called they were taking care of the body while we're, we tried to go back to role playing inside but i mean looking back at it i'm like that's weird but to us it was like oh someone else died anyway oh god it was a strange it's a strange place it's yeah. a really weird place looking back at so i'm going to ask a question that probably doesn't make sense sure. but i'm going to ask it. it anyway go for it do you think that growing up in such a weird environment at all affected your sexuality or any weird like kinks that you may have or like wiring in your brain for like I don't know who knows what who knows what yeah I think it affected my it definitely affected my weirdness it definitely affected yeah. my strength generally my generally but then the thing is is it doesn't affect everybody there yeah it was definitely our group of friends we had such a great there's such great people that I met there were very like um, unique I've uh, and and the thing is is I've lived all over the country mm-hmm. and. Macon was a very unique, strange experience. Mm. Have you ever seen Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, where they go through Savannah and they're like, Savannah's fucking weird. It's like that. Yeah. Macon is truly like that. It's a small southern town with its weird foibles. Everybody tends to know everybody, mm-hmm. but there's a bunch of freaking weirdos running around. <laughs> and um, sexually, the funny thing is, is like, I think... I didn't really blossom sexually until I left Macon. Macon oh, really? Wasn't, Macon wasn't really a sexually active place for me. Yeah. And um, because at the time, it's interesting because when I lived there, I desperately wanted to leave. Yeah. And then looking back, I was like, oh my God, we had such great, you mm. know, great times there as friends, but we were so poor and so, but we were so together and we had such a great group of people. Yeah. There was always interesting conversations and like interesting things to do but the funny thing is is that part of my life it was never really i mean there was a lot of sex but none of it was like kinky or weird it was Mm. just like you know just a group of friends who really liked hanging out with each other and enjoyed each other's company because it was you know which is i guess a weird way for me to start my sexual experience which is probably strange because most people don't start off in a communal pack that doesn't mind who's fucking who Mm. Because there wasn't really, it wasn't like so-and-so was dating so-and-so. There was no dating. We were just all friends. And then we just kind of fuck. That's cool. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of the way it started. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how old were you when you left Macon? I I left at 18, but I would stay away in Atlanta for 10 times as soon as I could drive. So 16. I got a fake ID. One of my friends in Macon got me a fake ID, uh, as soon as I could drive, like, and so we could start going out and going, going yeah. to things yeah, outside yeah. of making, because there's a really other than just hanging out with people, there was nothing else to do in making. Yeah. Like, you know, there weren't really clubs, they're bars, but, you know, they're bars generally filled with rednecks and frat boys. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't really our scene. So, and tell me more about like this friend group that just 
everyone was fucking everyone and having a good time. Like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it was. Like, it was do, you, amazing. do you still experience that on any level? Or have you continued to experience that in other places? Or was that just like a... I think just that a was, one-time thing? I think that was a singular, singular thing. And I haven't found another group of friends since then. Because not to that extent. Because not right. the, that communal extent. Right. Like, everybody... As I've grown up, it's sort of like uh, what I call the rise of poly, right? Which is, um, since probably around 2010, um, a lot of my groups that I've been around seem to have definitively gravitated to, they don't want just one partner, they want multiples, but if they're with another partner, then they must be dating or something like that. Mm -hmm. It it feels very much like that. Yeah. You know, which is cool. I mean, that's totally fine. Uh, But the other side of that coin is I have other friends who swayed into the swinger crowd and the swinger crowd is a whole other bag into itself that's it's not exactly that initial wonderful experience that i had it was that you know sort of like uh it was sort of a bliss that you can't get back to you know but um but at the time i didn't know that it was weird yeah like you know and it's one of those things when you're experiencing you don't take the time to sort of take pictures so to speak like Mm. you know you're not you're not there looking back and going like oh man that was you were having such a great time you know at the time i was like oh man this is great we're just having fun and we're you know having this crazy hippie lifestyle basically (laughs) like looking back i'm like shit we were hippies oh man gosh i thought i was a goth all that time (laughs) oh no god oh no right you know for the 90s group scene i guess i don't know but yeah i I mean i've never gotten to experience that again i've gotten a I've the closest I've gotten is to like dating couples. Yeah. And that's still not I mean cuz there was like like five or six of us like, you know, and with some partners that would come in and out mm-hmm. and um, you know, so Was it very was it a very queer group at that time or was it fairly heteronormative? I would say that it was no, it was it was kind of both. Like, I mean, it was queer for my section was very queer. Um, because, uh, my main partner at the time pretty much were, were at the time before that was before I transitioned. So my, at the time they were, I was a guy and usually with guys and every mm-hmm. once in a while there would be girls that would come in the group mm-hmm. and, but I never, it was never one of those like, ew, girls, like, you know, so it was sure. a very bisexual for me experience. Not yeah. everybody in the group partic- partook of all that. We did have actual, you know, full gold star gay kind of people in the group, but yeah. we also had heterosexual people in the group. Yeah. So, but the cool thing about those that were heterosexual is they didn't mind being in, if anything that turned into group, they didn't mind being there with other people of their same sex, you know, which was a wild experience. Like, you know, especially coming after something like that in my teenage years, yeah. in the early 20s. And they'd be like, wait, what do you? What do you mean you're worried about two guys touching? Like, what? what there's, do, you, do you not understand this beautiful, we have this beautiful other person with us. Like, it's okay. We can, we can touch a little bit. Yeah. That's all right. You know, but. Uh, Sounds like yeah. you got spoiled. I was. On. I was super spoiled. Fuck, that's, I want to go to your high school. Right? Well, and that's just the thing. It wasn't my high school. We actually, I, I had left. I skipped school so much that uh, I ended up growing. It was from a college group. I mm-hmm. met some college uh, friends uh, working in theater, we did. I did a theater thing, and then I got absconded. Well, I didn't get absconded. I forced myself into their group, <laughs> and um, you will adopt I me. will adopt me. I will be here. <laughs> yeah, and then um, it did lead me to the fetish world. It led me to um, 
from that group at a party. And that party, actually, from that group was the first time I got to go out um, in public cross-dress. Yeah? Yeah, because one of my, my closest friends and basically boyfriend at the time, if, you know, you're using actual standards, we were supposed to go. There's there's a big college. There's one the oldest women's college in the country and in the United States is called Wesleyan College, and it's in Macon, Georgia. And uh, they used to call it Lesbian College because there were so many girls there that liked other girls. Um, but they were having a gender bender party. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy I was with at the time, he was like, we should go. And I was cool. And I got to be a kid in the candy store because the theater that we both met in, uh, this was still while we were doing the play Three Musketeers. The director for the theater was like, oh, yeah, Kobe, you can go pick out anything that you want in the entire upstairs, which was like a warehouse of this building, which is costumes. So, like, I was like, a, you know, got to play basically dress up until I found something fabulous and crazy. It was amazing. I ended yeah. up I ended up looking like Lydia Dietz. By the time I ended up, I had this like mermaid black lace cocktail dress that was amazing <laughs> that I stole and uh, a mink fur coat. I was like, oh, this is the best. Uh, yeah, that's how I went out. And um, how old are you? I'm 16. No, I was 15. I actually wasn't 16 yet. I had told everybody I was 16. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. lying my butt <laughs> off so that the grown-up folk would uh, still play with me. Um, I was I was a court case waiting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was indeed. Uh, I remember that party really well because I was being hit on by frat guys who had no clue. And uh, I really, I was like, yeah. And uh, my friend came in and was like, no, and sits me down in the room. And that's when I met my first dominatrix. Oh, at 15? At 15. Um, and I was in the room, and I was very, very drunk, because I had, I, had, I had gotten a lot of alcohol. And he sits me down, and I'm sitting down on the floor, and he's like, Kobe, you cannot do that. Those guys will, will beat the snot out of you, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's basically dressing me down, and this girl comes in. Her name's Kathleen, and she was gorgeous. And um, she used to go to Wesley, and she wasn't there, but she was back for this party. And uh, she's in her bag, and my friend's talking to me. He's bending over, talking to me, blah, 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 blah. And I see my friend sees my eyes go wide, because out of her bag, she pulls a flogger. (laughs) And she holds it up like, ah, I found it! My friend's booty is right there, and she just smacks the shit out of him. And I go, I want that. I want that. (laughs) I want that. That I want. I want that. (laughs) Kathleen, please come back. So... My friend's trying to hold me down at the same time that uh, Kathleen's running out giggling because she was also very drunk and going to get to beat someone. And so that was my first experience with uh, BDSM was that. And um, that led me to being at the chamber and um, all of that stuff. And, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. It was wild. It was wild. <laughs> it was, it I'm was blown away wild. that you experienced that at 15. At 15. At 15. 15. So, I mean, I was already off to the races very, very quickly. Yeah. Like, insanely quickly. And the funny thing is, is for as far as transition and stuff is concerned, my friends knew me better than I knew me because they got me a woman's ID. So, like, anytime oh. I went to, like, the clubs, yeah. I cross-dressed not because my ID said that I was a girl. <laughs> Your friends so forced you friends into forced it. forced me into it. <laughs> which I was like, I'm just a cross-dresser. Like, uh-huh. And I'm like, that's all I am. That's all. That's all. I'm just a pretty boy like David Bowie. 
no. No. Turns out no. Turns out no. I was wrong. That was wrong. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that is, uh, that's how I ended up in being drawn into all of that yeah. side. Yeah. So that's blowing my mind right now, honestly. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, it's a wild experience. There's, yeah. and, and like I said, that was a quintessential weird making experience. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's something like making. like making experience. Well, yeah. and the thing too is at the time I remember looking, you know, and there would be like goth magazines that you could order, or like metal magazines, or like you know, scene magazines, and I'd see them every once in a while. I was out. And her and, you know, that particular dominatrix and some of the other ones, the chamber was a very new, like, warehouse size fetish club in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. It was it was like if you're, you know, weird or into fetish kink or like industrial scene or anything like that, this is the place you got to go. It's like cutting friggin edge. And like, yeah, just the headmistress was wandering around this random party I'm in at mess and making, you know, like, you know, so my first like semi-kink experience was with something like that. that yeah. I was like, I'm going to chase that like a firefly. <laughs> so like, you know, it's fine. But, yeah. You said that you didn't, you weren't aware of being trans mm-hmm. at that age. When did that realization start happening for you? I kind of fought it forever because I wanted, I, I was really hoping I was just a cross-dresser. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? Because being trans is like, it's a whole nother level. I guess it's one of those things when you're you're weird, there's a part of... Well, when I was, you know, weird, there was a part of me that was like, man, I really wish I was, I was normal. Yeah. Because, like, ever since I was in school, like, right when I got into school, they were like, you were a gifted kid. Oh, wait, you're a behavior problem. You're also going in these classes, like, special ed classes. Like, they sent me to... Like, I got kicked out of several schools before they sent me to the school in, you know, my hometown Macon where... They had special ed and had gifted courses. And, like, so I had to be bused all the way across town to actually the richer part of town. So I was, like, the little poor kid who was in special ed classes, who was in gifted classes. So I was, I, you know, part of me always wanted to be just normal, right? Yeah. I, of course, knew it because, I mean, I always enjoyed it. Because my first sexual experience actually was way before all of that. Like, my first sexual experience probably was um, my mother lived with uh, another woman. And her kid was basically just getting into his teenage years, and we we were in the same room. And he caught me cross dressing one day because I used to play dress up in my mom's stuff. How old were you? I was probably like eight. Okay, maybe yeah. something like that. And he, being a teenager, he basically just kind of started making out with me and stuff like that. And but I really liked the feeling because I liked because it made me feel like you know I was I was a girl, right? And so we had this weird relationship Mm. that actually weirdly ended in penetration. And for the longest time, I kind of, it it could have been a much worse experience if it, I think if I felt like I was forced, but I never felt like he really ever forced me because it was something that I weirdly wanted. Yeah. And that was definitively a definite clue in like, you're probably trans, but Mm -hmm. trans at that time, I mean, trans isn't what it was is now. Like, you know, um, trans is like every once in a while there's a person that can do it and like you'll hear about one but there's not a lot of them you know and um i feel like trans really took off probably in the mid 2000s is when it finally was like it's okay you can be trans you know and that's about the time that i actually was like screw it i'm gonna transition but also the other thing is is i'm not gonna lie my actual decision to finally transition was around 24 
when my chest and everything started filling out, because I used to be really skinny and very small, I started getting bigger, and I was like, whoa, this is, I'm not going to be able to just pass as well and just mm. be a girl yeah, and be a guy. And so I was like, I need to start taking hormones and stuff, like, to try to stop that. And looking back at it, if I'd have been true to myself, I and in the world we are now, yeah, absolutely. High school, I'd been straight into hormone blockers and stuff like that, yeah. you know. But in that particular world, I was really, I didn't think it was a thing. I didn't think it was something that I could do. And I always thought it would be very expensive and not, you know, prohibitively expensive. Mm-hmm. So there was all of that stuff, too. Did you experience any negative experiences, like, when you were cross-dressing during that time? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, well, but the other thing, too, is that I was fortunate enough to be very sheltered because I was very passable. I was always very passable. I remember Mm -hmm. uh, when I was working at Earthlink, which was a major internet provider at the time. Mm -hmm. This is when I was probably, like, 20. Um, For Halloween, I came cross-dressed. And uh, in a very, very flattering, very revealing outfit. And I remember that it slowly went through the building that there was this very new hot girl at the thing. And it was me. I was like, oh, it's me. It's me. They're talking about me. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Like, you know, I mean, um, so I was very fortunate like that. Um. But the times that it did happen, it would be things like, you know, hitting on the wrong person or the wrong person hitting on me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that did happen several times. But, you know, I was always very good at not putting myself in those positions. Like, I'm generally very guarded about where I go and what I do for Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said you started transitioning at 24. Mm -hmm. What was, like, your emotional experience starting to actually take those steps? Uh, unfortunately it was stunted because I had made the decision. I moved, I had moved from Atlanta to Connecticut with my, at the time girlfriend. And, uh, while I was up there and finally away from Atlanta, because the real reason that I also didn't transition is because I was worried about my family because Macon's a small town Mm -hmm. and part of my family are very religious and very high up in their church. And, uh, the other side are very well known around town, but they're like the party side. So... I never really cross-dressed in Macon mm-hmm. too much, unless, unless it was like Halloween or sometime I thought I could get away with it. So I was in Connecticut. I made the decision because it felt right. And um, then my mom died. And she died suddenly. She died in a car accident. And the thing is, it's like, it was literally a month. She died in July. My birthday's at the end of August. And I was coming down. I was like, I'm going to tell you something because I wanted to tell her face to face. I was like, this is happening. This is what I'm doing. And I wanted her to be the first family contact because she was like a raging liberal hippie. She would have been totally into it. I think she had been, I think she obviously already knew. Like, it's not like she couldn't, there's no way that she didn't know that I was, you know, doing, you know, cross-dressing when I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. But when she died, it actually kind of delayed it because I went back to that whole, I need to take care of my family. I need to go back into that mindset. I need to be that. Because that was the other thing. I was always pushed as I'm the firstborn male. I'm supposed to take care of all of this stuff. I'm supposed to be the one that like. So I went directly back down in that rabbit hole. And it kind of fucked me up. And it fucked me up for like, you know, a year, year and a half. Mm. And um, well, it fucked up my whole life. Because I missed my mom. My mom and my dad divorced when I was three. Me and my mom are like best friends. Right? Like... 
I, I stayed at my grandmother's house a lot because uh, my mom was still a heavy partier. The thing was, is that we were like best friends, me and my mom. My grandfather was gutted and I had to come back and take care of my grandfather because I, my grandmother, and my grandfather, I would go over there every afternoon. They were basically like my pseudo parents. My mom was like my sister. So I had to go down and take care of my grandfather because I was the replacement for my mom in his eyes, which is kind of weird too, in a way, because every once in a while he would fuck up and call me Sharice, which was my mom's name. Yeah, right. And really a weird head trip. Yeah, that, I bet. In, in that way, it's really interesting looking at my family and yeah, they treated me like a guy sometimes, but it's almost like I can see where they would see it. Sort of like I never actually dressed around my grandmother on that side because it always made her cry because she was like you look like your mom yeah and she wasn't a, and i was like i i didn't do it because of that because i didn't want to hurt her in that right. particular way but so yeah i ended up having to go back down to macon like i'd been living this crazy life in new england and new york and like having a wonderful freaking time and then it was brought back down and then when i was in macon i was like i can't take this i'm gonna go back on hormones so all in one fell swoop and, and then i lost my girlfriend who was Probably at the time, probably like what I consider like love of my life kind of like person. I'm still, in, we're still really good friends. I'm still very much in love with her, but like we're in different places and it doesn't yeah. really work anymore. Yeah. But, um, so I lost my mom. I lost basically the love of my life and I decided to transition all in the course of like a year. Wow. So my life really went mad for like the next five years. Because I, I really never dealt with all of that. Because yeah. I was dealing with it all at the same time. And it just... In the wash, individually it had been fine. But together? Mm-mm. Yeah. It just sent me on a weird, wild, bad ride. For the most part. Kind of sent me down the hole, to be honest. But... And that was like 2007. So I had stopped at 2004. And didn't really start HRT. Uh, which is hormone, hormone replacement. Until... Uh, 2007, which is when I started. Is HRT the testosterone blocker or the estrogen? It's both. It's both at the same time? Yeah, both at the same oh, time. Oh, okay. So okay. generally they'll start you on on both. So they want to block off the testosterone and then they'll give you the estrogen um, to start, you know, development for breasts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Your skin gets all soft and nice and then you cry at Sarah McLaughlin commercials. It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's so good. Awesome. Awesome. It's so good. I remember... You know, and the messed up thing is, I didn't cry at all. I cried once when um, they called me about my mom. That was it. Didn't cry through the whole friggin' th- funeral, right? I was, I, which is interesting. My grandfather, blubbering mess. My uncle, gone. My grandmother, same as me. Both of us are just like, yep, can't cry. Don't know what's wrong. Anyway, hormones, Sarah McLaughlin murdered me. Yeah, right. <laughs> murdered me. Murdered me. <laughs> Can't take it. Puppies yeah. are adorable. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where I started that particular journey. Yeah. And how's it <clears throat> gone since then? I mean, I, I assume that you've processed since then. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I've processed. I finally yeah. kind of divvied it out. I probably should have gotten more mental health at that particular time, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Yeah, I've processed it out. Uh, my mom's definitely was the first thing I, I got okay with. My loss of that particular love, I finally got okay with. But, I mean, I I will fully admit it stopped me from truly 
I honestly haven't been in a what I consider a serious relationship since 2007 because of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is that? A lot of my major early relationships generally ended about the same way, which is that I was always in a very open relationship. Mm. And inevitably, there's like four times it happened to me. It was three, three specific, but, but um, where we were basically in an open relationship and they would start playing around and fucking someone else and then not tell me. And it was, it's the breaking of trust that, you know, I just, after that trust is broken, there's no way to really get it back. Like yeah. it's always there. It's always gone. And like I said, with the breaking of all three things, I just never really got over it. I never really opened myself back up. But also transitions changed very much the way that I date. Like, and it changed the way that I like interact with people that I'm attracted with and stuff like that. It's... Tell me everything. Tell me everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah, um, no, that sounds really, I mean, that's interesting. Well, I mean, so I was a very pretty boy and... I had what my friends lovingly called the lazy hunter style because inevitably, especially like in, you know, I was big time in uh, goth scene, industrial scene. Like, I I really didn't have to go after girls. Girls Mm -hmm. would come to me Mm -hmm. because like it was just, uh, you know, I was very cute um, and I, you know, wasn't an asshole basically. And, um, you know, also I was very sexually liberated, too, because of, you know, my wild, who knew, you right, know, younger right. time. So, you know, I didn't really care. And, like, um, so looking back at it, I was like, oh, yeah, I was a really good, nice person for the most part. I can see why people were like, yeah, Kobe's awesome. Like, yeah, in that particular way. Um, so I didn't really have to go after women. Um, guys are always easy. Like, guys, that hasn't changed. But I'm actually generally more sexually attracted to women than I am with men. Um, well, that's really interesting. And that's what I thought. Yeah. Knowing you yeah. um, for the last however long it's been now, I've always thought that you primarily were attracted to and dated women, but mm-hmm. you just told me earlier yeah, that, that when guys, you were younger that yes, you primarily my dated first, guys. My virginity was taken by a guy. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you also said that you were primarily attracted to guys at that time, too. I was, but it's because I really, I think it was an offset of the whole trans things because I yeah. wanted, because when I was with a guy, it made me feel more like I was a woman. Oh. And so it's kind of, it. that's that's why. Well, and the other thing is I've gotten older, guys are just easier to, like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And especially being a girl now. Yeah. Being a girl and trying to get with a girl is one of the hardest things to do <laughs> that you, I mean, like, I, I I cannot tell you how many times after I transitioned, it would be like, all right, I'm with this girl. She's really awesome. Yeah, we're really good friends. Cool. All right, I'm going over to her house. She's inviting me over. Oh, this is going to be great. It's probably... We'll probably end up making out of it. So cool. And I'm helping her with a cosplay outfit. And this is... Yep, that's all we're doing. We're just helping each other. Okay. Well, yep. Nope. Now I'm helping you. So, okay. We're just friends. We're just friends, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. I fell into the friend hole. I don't know how that happened. I thought I was pretty open about being super into you. But, all right, cool. And, uh, I mean, stuff like that would happen multiple times. And sort of finding my feet with that has been... Difficult. I mean, it's still difficult. Like, uh, well, dating as you get older is difficult anyway. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. God knows the dating world now is far different than than it was before. So, but yeah, that's um, 
I, honestly, not dating women has it's mostly because it's just really hard to meet girls. It really is. Just girls are difficult. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Darn it. They're so pretty, but they're also so hard to deal with. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <sighs> I wish it was more, but it's not. I know. It's all, I mean, yeah. gosh. Guys really are so easy. You're like, he's so pretty. Easy. If he's yeah. into me, he'll let me know. I mean, I, all I got to do is go up to him and like, yep, he's super into me. That's going right. to happen. But right. then again, I will say this. I've been with several guys, especially since transitioning, and have been semi-heartbreaking and kind of sh- like, well, it's shitty because they'll be like, I am super attracted to you, but you have a penis. And I am not attracted to a penis. Mm. And like, so they'll be down for, it's funny how far guys will go. But they'll be like, nope, nothing beyond. I mean, you can give me a blowjob. We can make out all day long and, like, you know, have rough, throw you against the wall, like, you know, grinding. But if anything beyond that, nope, nothing. Yeah. And uh, which can be super frustrating at times. Um, Yeah, no shit. I mean, because it's, you know, and most of those relationships devolve into, like, can you just give me them being like, can you just give me another blowjob? I'm like, no. No. No, yeah. I can't. <laughs> Sorry. I would That's like not the some way reciprocity, please. Yeah, it's exactly. If you're not going to be into that, we're just friends. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and I'm not with those particular people. I'm like, we can't just make out anymore because, like, I'm, uh, that will get me aroused. And I don't want to be aroused with somebody that I can't fulfill things with. Right. Yeah. Because that sucks. Although saying that, dear God, how many women have I just made out with and just never had any other things happen with? But... I guess it's not as frustrating in that particular thing because mm. there wasn't the offer of going all the way. And then it being like, no. Oh, so with these guys that you're referring to, it's like they were down until. Yeah, until. Until you got naked. And until you got like, naked, nope. they're like, nope. It's totally. Nope. Nope. Yeah. That's generally the way it goes. Like, um, that's so interesting. I mean, and they know they already they knew because uh, I'm yeah. always open about no, it. Like, because right. I'm not going to be in that experience where we get in the bedroom and then they they kill me because they're like, right. oh my god, penis. You know, it's right. like, uh, no. I mean, actually, I had hilarious bar experience recently in Charleston where there was a girl that I was hitting on in a gay gay bar, and she was she was great. She was rad. She's beautiful. Um, and we're talking, and she was like, yeah, I'm a lesbian trap. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, I'm this and that. You know, like, I'm a bartender at, like, a gay bar. And, like, I I do this. I do this. It was a bunch of, like, very lesbian things. She's like, yeah, and I'm married to a guy for, like, 20 years. I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't like vagina. I like penis. And I was like, cool. Well, I got one of those. And she was like, she was stunned. And she was like, but you have boobies. I was like, I do have boobies. (laughs) But I also, she was like, I'm very, I'm very intrigued. And I, I, I was like, well, if, if. If you're in an open relationship, <laughs> we can maybe do something. Right. <laughs> uh, and that was a really fun, yeah. fun, fun time. But like, I'm very open about it. It's not like I try to hide it. I mean, unless I do try to hide it. I admit, I, I do try to hide it because I'm worried about my safety usually when I'm out and about with just random people. Mm-hmm. But if it's a sexual partner, I'll, right. I'll be very open about it. Yeah, yeah. Because why not? I mean... I don't want to ruin that mood once you get it going. Yeah. I mean, why? You've mentioned to me a couple times in the last handful of days, casually talking about getting bottom surgery. Yeah. Is that something that's more on your mind now? I, it's more on my mind as I get older. Yeah. Why Why is that? Which actually apparently is pretty common. 
Really? Uh, among most, yeah, trans oh. women that don't um, do that. Uh, do the full surgery. It's become more on my mind because, well, the other thing, too, is, like, I haven't actually, to be frank and honest, just to, like, my stint between sex is usually, like, a year or two these days. Last time I had sex was actual penetrative me with a girl sex was, I think, I want to say, like, 2017. Hmm. Yeah, like 2017. Last time it was before the pandemic. Yeah. So like I'll go years without actually doing anything. Um so it's not about sex anymore really. It's more about like wearing leggings or like mm. honestly jeans are like because once you begin to that safety thing, while I don't give a you know, I don't care about walking around and just having, you know, my stuff out like it, I do in the background care because I'm more worried about me being safe because I don't want somebody to see it and then be like, you know, right. want to kick the crap out of me for right. some reason. Because I do live Georgia. Well, even in Seattle, it's still, I've, I've had friends that got accosted up there for being trans. So the stealth is more important for when we sort of maintain that. But the other thing, too, is like, I don't know. It'd also be easier to be with a guy because I'm not, like, super into penetrative butt sex. Like, it's mm. a sometimes food, but, yeah. like, it's not a, like, there's so much extra involved in it. Yeah. It'd be really rad to be able to be with just a guy and just, you know, just have sex. That'd right. be nice without all the extra stuff that comes with anal. Like, you know. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that I definitely want to go see a therapist about. I didn't think about it as much when I was younger. But as I've gotten older, it's definitely starting to be on my mind more mm. and more. But I'll be perfectly honest, like, getting electrolysis down there and all the other stuff that's involved in that surgery, I am not super excited about because I really am not super excited about pain and um, propane accessories. (laughs) I'm not down for that. Like, that sounds terrible. But it's something that, you know, I'm trying to decide if I'd be willing to go through. But like I said, it's definitely something that I, I would think... I think I'm in a nebulous factor, too, because it's the same with my breast augmentation. I want breast augmentation because I want, you know, big, bigger titties. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a part of me that kind of wants it is because I've been out of a relationship for so long that I want. I don't know. It's kind of like remodeling your house before you sell it. I don't know. I guess you kind of are. I kind of am. Camming. I'm camming now. Yeah. So yeah, I am kind of selling my body. <laughs> um, well, I mean, but at the same time, like I haven't, I've had a really bad stint of the last couple of years where I haven't felt that attractive or that I passed. Yeah. And like, it's been coming back to me more and more. And I think it's because of how long I've been out of relationships and mm-hmm. out of having sexual experiences. I don't have any kind of, cause obviously since I was very little, sex was very reinforcing of what I thought I was. And so, I don't know. I think that's what's sort of kicked it off. Yeah. Is that it's sort of like, how do I fix me so I can get in a relationship in some way? Mm. I'm not saying it's like that, but yeah. I, I, I'm I'm assuming somewhere in my noggin that that's part of it. Yeah. You know, that it's got to be like, I need to do this so that maybe... It's that whole getting back to normal thing, I think. Yeah. Which is good and... Bad in its own way. I think it's bad in most of the way. But, yeah. So, that's part of the reason why I'm not like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Because I do have that hang-up that I'm like, is it me just doing this? Or is it because I want to, you know, I really, truly want it? 
You know? Right, right. It doesn't sound like, and forgive me if I'm making assumptions, yeah, no, but it doesn't part. sound like you have body dysphoria around having a penis. No, it's mm-hmm. not come stemming from like that. Not at place. All. Yeah. yeah, and and um, there are some girls in my position that definitively do. Yeah, like, they oh, have for to sure. have it. They have for to sure. have it. They they want it, and um, you know, and that is a very easy cut and dry scenario for a lot of them. Definitely. I have several friends that are like that. Um, and you know, they love, they love their new pussy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they love the <laughs> fuck out of that thing and God bless it. Usually very beautiful. They do good work, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like that. I mean, yeah. cause that's the other thing, actually the weird thing talking about the body dysmorphia, I was weirdly very comfortable in my skin when I was younger. And after my transition, I think it was like when I said I was starting to show more male traits and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's around that time I started to actually not be as comfortable with my skin. I stopped like before that being naked all the time. Yeah, I didn't care. Huh. And then afterwards, after I've transitioned and stuff like that, yeah. now I'm actually much more guarded about when I take my clothes off and like stuff like that. And how um, it's very strange. I've had to relearn how to be more comfortable in my skin again. And uh, it's been a... That's so interesting. Strange experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cause usually I hear, hear the opposite, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Most people, they, they love it. Right. But at the same time, and that's part of the, now I've started going towards the surgery option. I'm like, maybe if I do this, cause that is the body that I would like to right, have. Right. 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 Maybe if I get closer to that ideal, that will help me mentally get into that groove again of being, and I can feel I'm very close. Like yeah. I'm very, I, mental, mentally, I feel like I'm I'm very close to being there and being very happy in my skin again. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think I need that extra bump. Yeah. But I, I'm still up in the air about the bottom surgery. I, I actually, part of me is definitively kind of like, yeah, I think I'd probably get away without it. But man, would it make life easier? Mm-hmm. Like you know, and boy, would it make it where you don't have a ball drop when you're tucked and driving, and it's terrible. <laughs> Because if you want a singularly weird, painful experience, is have one of your nuts just go out the side of a panty while you're driving on no. the road. And you're like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. And I cannot adjust this until I get to a rest stop. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who is a trans woman. And mm-hmm. she always had very similar feelings about having a penis. And that it didn't bother her and it was very functional and she Mm. liked being able to, you know, do things with it. it. Yeah. (laughs) And didn't really want to necessarily fuck with that. But then she ultimately decided to get bottom surgery and Mm. absolutely in love with it. Like it completely changed everything for her. And it's just so interesting how before that, you know, she was kind of in that middle space of like, do I, don't I, you know, whatever. But ultimately she's just like beyond stoked about it. And I think it's, it's part of what you're talking about of feeling more just in line, I guess. With, yeah. With it, what, yeah. what you see in your mind, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but I mean, everyone's journey is completely different. Oh yeah. No, totally. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's part of the thing is I think part of me would be probably pretty happy if I got that done. Yeah. But, um, but you're right. Like, I mean, figuring out where that's really stemming from yeah. is definitely the first. You that's know, the first out. first big step. That's why yeah. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to do the breast augmentation first, which yeah. is funny because I've been on hormones and stuff. I haven't had any surgery done and I've been doing, I've been, I mean, living as a woman since 2007. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. which is, it's been fucking great. Uh, but 
Yeah, I think doing it slowly and seeing is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so tell me more about camming. What What are you enjoying or not enjoying about that experience? I'm very much enjoying, like I said, uh, the positive reinforcement of being like, oh, I am attractive. Mm, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's nice. Who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love that? <laughs> right. Who doesn't love people being like, oh my God, you're so hot. Right, like, you right. know, anybody needs that ego boost. Um, I like that part of it. But then again, I've always kind of like, because I was pro, I did programming for a little while. So I've always liked being, I don't know, I've always liked sex work. Like, I've always liked, like, even working at, like, you know, like that fetish club mm-hmm. and, like, stuff like that. And I've you worked at, like, porn that. studios, too, right? Yeah, I've worked in yeah. porn studios and stuff, but not as, like, a star. But No, 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 right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. I don't know. I think the funny thing is, is I think if I could have a job, I would really like to be, like, a bordello mistress. Like, I mean, like, someone who just runs the cat house. I think I would be perfectly happy doing something like mm-hmm. that if I... If in my mind, if I, and the thing is, is that that's not new. It's always been a thing that's in, maybe it's some like past life beating on my door or something that I, I don't know. I've always liked sex workers. Like Mm -hmm. I've always, I've had a lot. I used to have a lot of sex worker friends. I don't know. Sex work always felt natural. Like sex is one of the first things we've done as humans. Like it's Mm -hmm. the first drug, right? Like we were like, oh man, we really like orgasm, want more orgasm, you know? (laughs) And, um, and it can be very liberating. I mean, it can also be really shitty, like, yeah. especially because uh, there's always trolls and it's the internet and camming is full of trolls, mm-hmm. especially on the, you know, free websites where you're waiting for tips or whatever. There's, there's people that get their jollies just by going through rooms and just being assholes. And, um, you know, it is what it is. That's part of humanity. I don't know. It's... um. It's been a very weird experience. It's it's very strange being that open because, like I said, I'm still not super comfortable getting naked. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of my camming stuff is stuck more towards domination and stuff because mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable doing that with yeah, guys. Yeah, much more than taking my clothes off in front of them and stuff like that because I'm never, I, I I've never felt like a sex kitten kind of thing. Like I've never been in that mindset personally. Like I've never thought of myself that way uh, i mean i'm sure i could do it but like it's not something i feel very awkward when i'm doing it like this one guy was asking for me to dance and i was like you don't want to do that no that's gonna look so awkward no no you're gonna leave in two seconds you, you know you're gonna have to give a really big tip if i'm gonna dance and i'm not saying that i'm a bad dancer i'm just saying in this particular instance where you're asking me to i'm put on the spot it's like the same thing when someone asks me a question, they'll be like, you know, who was the, you know, 18th president? I'll be like, ah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I know it, but right now, do not. Yeah, right. That file is not accessible. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I mean, I've liked it because it's helping me also come out a bit more. Because the pandemic kind yeah. of, kind of, well, it's, it, the pandemic sort of brought me down and sort of made me more cloistered. You know, I think it did that for everybody. Yeah. So we're still digging our way out. Right. I don't know. It kind of helped with that. It's Mm. and and the money's okay. I mean, the money's not great, uh, but the money's all right. Like, you know, it's cool to have that extra bump. And it's like I said, that little extra ego boost Mm -hmm. real help. Like, you know, and it's helped me get back into, I mean, I've had some other friends that have pulled me back into the kink world recently, like into the fetish party 
world, and I was like, oh, fuck. I miss this part of myself yeah. so much. Yeah. I, like, I... I miss me being able to be that sexual creature that I used to be able to be, and that made me feel, you know, strong and, like, powerful, but also more me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's just been so wonderful to get back into that sort of scene, into that sort of area. Did you get out of it because of the pandemic, or was that before the pandemic? Well, one, my that love-loss sort of thing, she was super into that particular scene, uh, so I kind of stayed away from it. Oh. Um, for a long time, so I kind of ran from it, and I had a I had a few pseudo partners that were very vanilla, so I kind of stayed away from it. Yeah. I also was I was a truck driver for a little while. And being a truck driver does not no you you it cannot lend your hand lend a hand, lend a hand to doing anything. Um, and even having relationships, yeah, it, it lends to you being on the road and then telling you where to go twenty four seven. And honestly, it was a terrible experience. I, I mean, the things that I got to see and the stuff that I got to do was very cool. It's a very cool memory. And I got some great stories and writing out of it. Yeah. But. How long were you truck driving for? Uh, I was a truck driver off and on for four years. That's and that's a long over time. the years. Yeah. yeah. I, I am one of those certified million mile um, <laughs> safe driver. Wow. So I hauled things for a million friggin' miles yeah, in right. a giant semi. And the other thing that was hilarious is because I had transitioned before I was a truck driver. And I swear to God, anything that I ever tried to fix on the truck, there would be some old guy that would show up and do it for me. <laughs> Every single fucking time. Hey, little lady, let me help you out. out. I I was told repeatedly, you are too pretty to be driving a truck. You should be home. I've had people propose to me in the middle of truck stops. I've had people try to take me on trips. I once had an experience where these two guys behind me, when I was at like a Wendy's or something, were like, hey, hey, girl. Uh, It's like, yeah. It's like, you ever been in a fight? I was like, what? 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 And they were like... Well, I mean, I, no, not like that. Like, just, you have really, really nice shoulders. Like, you, you have really, I'm like, where is this going? And they were like, I was like, are we about to be a one now? And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, you would be a good MMA fighter. Like, we're trainers. We're trainers. We have a local gym. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Is that where we're going with Whew. this? All right. Thank God you're not about to try to yeah. keep not out of me at Wendy's. Fucking for real. Yeah. So, thankfully, I passed enough to be fine while I was a truck driver. But that also led to weird stuff where, like, on my window one night when I woke up, there was a sticky note that said, I bet you taste as good as you look. And that's Not that's okay. terrifying because on a truck he had to get on the side of my freaking truck yeah. and stick that up there. What? So yeah, that was a pretty oh. gross experience. It was awful, but oh. um, but you tore out of there. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Fuck. As soon as I saw that, I was out. Like what? The, like what the fuck? Yeah. What the so, actual fuck? So who who thinks that's a good idea right? to ever do? Right. Right. Did you really expect that? To like to, work to work or lead to something, or were you just trying to be just a disgusting asshole that makes people feel unsafe? Like exactly. I don't understand what goes through people's minds when they do shit like that. I don't either. Like it's what what outcome why, are you hoping? What for outcome right now? are you hoping for? Yeah, it's but yeah, like I said, it was from the top to the bottom, even to when. But the thing was, is um, it's funny because I don't pass long term. What does I'm, that mean? It, it's one of those weird things to where I will pass on basic first inspection, or at least at the time. Mm. I mean, I kind of, it's kind of still. But um, the longer people around me, 
there'll be like one or two people per person that get it. And since I am trans, people tend to talk about that. Mm. So like uh, when one of my friends I was training, he wanted to be a truck driver. And so I was like, well, all right, well, I'll be your trainer. You know, and I had to go through training classes and we had to go to like the main office for the trucking company I was with. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, he didn't tell me at the time, but later he was like, yeah, they were kind of making fun of the new, um, like, female trainer that was in the group. And, um, and I was kind of pissed at him. I was like, why didn't you fucking tell me that? And he was like, right. yeah, the bus driver. And like, so then people, I was like, dude, I could have sued the crap out of them. Yeah. But like, also, you should have told me that right. because, you know, I'd rather know something like that. But, you know, so it's one of those things of like, it was a give and take. So the longer I was at some somewhere, the longer, the, the worse it would be for me. But it's, if I was there for a short period of time, it was fine. But until it started, the rumor mill started, then, yeah, right. you know, it goes from there. You mentioned before that you've like lived all over the country, but it sounds like you've been able to find like good groups of people pretty much everywhere you've gone yeah does that tend to be in like the kink poly queer communities or is it kind of all over the place kind of all over the place like uh i'm a huge nerd so i end up in nerd communities Mm. a lot um and um the kink communities are sometimes weird because each city has its like i always say that each city has its own kink um like seattle was definitively rope if you love Roke, go visit Seattle for a little while. There's some yeah. amazing uh, riggers up there. Uh, but, I mean, that's their thing. Like, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They're really into it. Um, but finding your niche in those particular communities, certain communities were better than others for getting in and out of. Um, but, I mean, it's still hard. It's still making friends. It's still um, finding groups of friends that you can kind of, like, chill into. Um I mean, I feel still feel like the Atlanta crew is such a near and dear to my heart crew because um, I've also noticed as you get older, it's harder to make new friends mm. um, because you don't want to be that old person hanging out with all the 20-year-olds. I mean, you can be. There's nothing wrong with it. But I've noticed that 20-year-olds sometimes don't want to hang out with you because you are extremely old. <laughs> To them, yeah, you know, yeah, I remember right. being 20 and I remember being like, 30 is that like ancient. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, but it's not, it's not at all. It's, yeah. it's totally freaking fine. But I mean, and I get that. I, I actually do. I mean, who wants, you know, it's basically, it would be like hanging out with your mom, you know? And like, you know, when you're 20, you're like, I don't want to do that. I've done that for 20 years. And to you, 20 years is a long time. But mm-hmm. now that, you know, I'm like over 40 and, you know, trucking into the fifties, like, yeah whatever like you know mm-hmm. it's just nowhere near as bad you know yeah so but um yeah finding new groups of people it's just you know especially too it's interesting coming out like i said going out of the 40s because now people are like the children are gone let's mm-hmm. go make friends again um so going back into those particular areas i try to stay away from swinger groups um, why is that because uh my history of swinger groups, this may have changed and may be different in different cities, is that uh, trans people usually don't go over well in swing, swinger groups. Oh, really? Groups. Most of my experiences have been pretty what? bad. Why is that? Because most of the guys tend to be on the very straight side. And um, I've actually had some very bad experiences in swinger groups where there would be a guy who was, once again, it's like I was saying, super into me, and then be like, oh, wait, hang on. But then very 
I don't know, it's so weird in like such a sexually open thing for them to be like, oh god, no, oh, oh, it's 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 like their world crumbles and then hmm. they're they're very offended that they got offended and that they're offended <laughs> and then it's weird. It's weird. It's watching them have a meltdown all of a sudden and then yeah. In the middle of a sex party. In the middle of a sex party, yeah. and nobody wants that. No. Um, so I tend to stay away from those particular things because, you know, I mean, you never know how people are going to react to it. But um, I've, it's weird that those particular spaces have been some of my worst experiences of being yeah. openly like, ah, Frankenstein, monster, you know, yeah, that kind yeah. of a thing. Fuck. Yeah, it's weird. That's super bizarre. All right. I've also not had, like, great experiences in swinger spaces either. Yeah. With it, it is a little more, like, it's definitely more heteronormative, so mm-hmm. it's not queer at all. No. And it's more, like, swappy-swappy. Yes, like, swappy-swappy. Two, two couples swap with each other, yeah. and that's, like, the only dynamic. Yeah, and that's the only dynamic. <laughs> and it- then they're not as great with consent. Like, oh, I God, get, I'll get terrible. people, like, touching me. And I'm just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I generally also tend to stay away from swinger ex- uh, spaces yeah. just because of some experiences that I had, admittedly, five, eight years ago yeah, or something exactly. like that. Mine, but mine I just, were also back then. Yeah. So maybe they've changed. Maybe, or maybe they're different in other communities exactly. or something. God, I fucking hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I fucking hope so. But, I mean, I yeah. hope they updated, updated, but like... No, I'm totally with you. And it, it very, I, I had a lot of. It's funny because I was getting since I transitioned. It's it's weird because I've gotten to see misogyny so much more firsthand. Really, um, it was well. It's like transitioning and and having my male friends talk over me a lot. Really, like once once yeah being relegated and being like, oh wait no i'm a girl now yeah i'm i'm actually and, and it's funny because that's how i know that they actually think of me as a girl now because they totally start doing all the things that guys do with girls wow. and conversation and stuff like that it happens to me and it was weird dealing with that at first and these are friends that you had like oh, before the transition oh, absolutely. before the transition okay. like and the thing is super wow. good friends like not yeah. even Super, super close friends that are just like, and I'm like, motherfuckers, you motherfuckers, like, you realize you're doing this, and they still do it, but they can't stop themselves, because it's just the way that, like, I guess, human interactions happen, because men have a tendency to just do that. Yeah. That's so So interesting. So bizarre. Yeah. seeing it from the other side, because now, also, I get to do that, you know, with my guy friends, that I would be the one going and doing stupid stuff, and I'm like, this is really stupid, we should not fucking do this. Now I'm that girl that's sitting back there being like, this is really dumb. We should not do that. This is stupid. And I'm like, you're stupid. We're going to go do this. I'm like, all right, well, damn. Yeah. Don't die, please. <laughs> don't die, please. Yeah. Don't, don't, please don't kill yourself. I guess I'm here to clean up if you do. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's the misogyny thing that uh, I, I noticed in swinger circles. Mm, yeah. Very mad men kind of swingery. Yeah. yeah that's, so a good, that's a good way to phrase it's it. so yeah. weird. But, and, well, and also, like you were saying, the pair-off thing, because mm-hmm. I really enjoy group sex. Like, mm-hmm. I love threesomes, because there's so much play and so fun, and, like, you know, just, it's so great. Yeah. And, yeah. um... Because I also have ADHD, and there's always something to, like, do. Right? You can't get bored with two bodies, right? There's something that you can be doing. Like, you know, uh, 
right? Uh, so you gotta keep your mind going. Yeah. Um, and your hands. And your hands. <laughs> new fidget Something toys. New fidget toys. <laughs> you know, there's places for your mouth to be yeah. and your fingers. Um, new fidget toys everywhere. So yeah, that's why that never really got got off. Well, it also felt like to me with two couples swapping in that way. You know, for people that can find, like, uh, the perfect other couple to do that with, that where both people are equally as interested in the other people. But it always felt like, to me, a lot of the time, it felt like someone would be taking one for the team. Yes. Like, someone would be losing Absolutely. in the situation. Because my situation. attraction to other people can't be perfectly, like, aligned. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, it's never. so individualistic. It really is. And so me imagining being in that space with a partner and he's really into whoever and the only way to make him be able to be with that person is for yeah. me to also be with their partner. Their partner. Like, what, the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, Can we all just do whatever we want? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Can we just do whatever we want? Can we just, okay, fine. And it, well, this other thing too is like, uh, I always found it hilarious is I feel like when you're talking about the winner, there was always a winner guy, and I felt like the winner guy was like Gollum. He was like, my precious, and like pulls him into a corner. Oh, like, you know, we're like, oh God, don't run with her. Just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, and the other couple's like, hey, what's up? Like, yeah, I mean, right. and I, you know, you just see that happen so often. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, not maybe that's different. Not, other no, no, it could be. I'm different. not trying to harsh want, on swinging. I don't want to harsh but... on that at all. I don't. That's just the because I'm all about non-monogamy and the ways yeah. that it can work for every individual couple or every individual. Like, if that works for y'all, like, fucking more power to you. That's Absolutely. awesome that you have that space and other people that vibe in that way. But that's just been my own anecdotal. Experiences. Yeah, no, it's very anecdotal because, like you said, it was like. It, after it happens a couple of times and you have bad experience and mine were like eight eight years ago yeah that you know i never went back because yeah. i had those experiences right. and um but kink is also it's that consent thing since i was sort of raised up in kink for the most part as a um 15 year old 15 year old <laughs> since i was 15 year old schooled kinky person um consent's always well the other thing is my basis of kink was very uh one of my initial masters was uh, old guard leather Hmm. so that came with all of the shitty things from old guard leather Hmm. but it also came with all the crazy protocol and stuff i have a terrible time being at play parties because of it because i have a bad time just walking up and being like hey Let's go do some shit. Mm. Like, I, I need consent. I desperately need consent from the other person, like, before I can do anything to them. Because the other thing is, is that, like, I'm a kinky bitch. Like, my my spectrum kink goes long and wide. Like, I... And, it, and you can probably talk me into almost any kink. Because, yeah. like, I'm more... I think my kink is being sexual and weird. And if it's naughty, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, and I can get totally more and more into that. And uh, for me, kink, long time ago, became more about the mental energy exchange than the actual acts. Mm-hmm. Like, I always find the energy and the the mental exchange far more gratifying to me than what actually is happening in the scene. Like, um, but... I mean, don't get me wrong, some scenes are also very physically gratifying, but the mental aspect of it is what I'm in love with. Yeah. Like, because it's so, just, can be so mind-altering. Like, so consent is super important to me. Yeah. And um, it's the it's the one good thing that I got out of that 
particular partner. And uh, even though there was a bunch of other really terrible things that Old Guard Leather represents. Like what? I don't know much about So Old, Old Guard, Guard Leather um, was obviously started as like, you know, gay guys, you know, and the biker clubs and stuff like that. Um, most of it is you start as a sub. You must experience everything. For you to be a good top, you, you you then work your way up into being a top. And mm. the longer you're here, the more the, the the more power you get, especially in households, because there would be different leather households and stuff like that. <laughs> and your household would sort of have like a hierarchy. So there would be like a pecking order and stuff like that. Which I'm bad about that. I admit that I'm trying to get myself out of um I would love to have a household without uh, the shitty rules, right? Um, because it's the way that my mind works, which is, um, which going back to that initial, why the household made so much sense to me is because in my initial, like, sexual experiences, like, what we always call ourselves a pack, where you kind of could have sexual experiences with anybody. That's why in my mind, oh, yeah, of course, a leather household, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're basically a family and we all do kinky stuff together and we are sexual stuff. But the thing is, is that it could be very... Demeaning because you did, there was a form of consent, but there wasn't like, you know, the master could do whatever the fuck he really wanted to do because he was a master. It was oh. kind of the way that le old guard leather works. Okay. It was because he's the one in power. He's yeah. like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And like, you know, you can say stop, but you know, unless it's like hard, safe word, then I'm not. And some of the worst leather masters would just keep going. And there's been a lot of stuff recently no. with them being really gross. Yeah, yeah. no, that's really gross. And really really bad and i'm glad that we've moved on from that like yeah. and especially even the gay men's kink world has moved on from that like but old guard leather is was definitely like a 70s thing like mm -hmm. it's 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 weird that in the mid 90s i there weren't a lot of them still around i mean there were but there weren't like a ton of them mm -hmm. um because you know uh, leather's changed a lot. But and then again, in leather leather bars like Eagle and stuff like that, I mean, there's still quite a bit of misogyny in that old, like, guys with guys. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, too, is that uh, most leather, old guard leather, like, it was all about being very masculine. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously me and uh, what we've been talking about, I, I've been cross-dressing since I was, like, you know, three. Right. So, like, you know, I always like pretty girl things. Like, you know, I mean... You know, one of my first partners bought me lingerie and I, you know, that was like, you're forever. Right. You know, like it was. Um, So I was always into that. And like my master, he hated that. He was never into any of that stuff. And um, so it was also kind of kink shaming, too. Right. Mm. So because um, I don't think it's interesting because cross-dressing was never really a kink for me. But looking pretty was and like that just made me feel sexy to be in like you know that kind of stuff um in that same way that like you know anybody like you know there's a lot of people that'll wear like sexy underwear and you're like fuck yeah nobody else knows but i know right and right, i feel right. powerful because of it yeah, right yeah um but yeah that's that was part of the also getting myself out of that mm. mentally starting out thank god he wasn't my only kink partner starting out and i wasn't you know just completely in that but yeah I, so i had some bad tendencies from that but that has made me super uh, conscientious of uh, consent. Mm. So, yeah. 
I mean, which is not a bad outcome. No, no, no. goodness, <laughs> consensus no. no, consensus is incredibly important. Yeah. And very good, but it's one of those things that, like, I don't know. I'm. Uh, it makes me bad at play parties with people I don't know. I know everybody. Why does that make you bad at play parties? Because I, I'm you're uh, asking for consent. No, not because I'm asking for consent. Because I have a tendency to. Um, I have a tendency to uh, want to have a very long conversation with somebody before I play, and and it generally is not conducive with first time meeting that play party. You're not great with pickup play. I'm not good at pickup. I'm not either. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like like you were talking about before, you know, for you, like you were saying, kink is a lot about the mental like connection mm-hmm. and connectivity with the other person, yeah. and I'm very similar in that way. Mm-hmm. That's one of my main things that I love so much about kink, but I want to feel like there's a connection already preemptively mm-hmm. to then get to play with between yeah. somebody else and myself. Yeah. And so I don't have that kind of connection with somebody that I, a literal stranger that I just, met. You just met. And it's yeah. like, I don't want to get flogged that badly to mm-hmm. just have a sensation of flogging. I want to be connected to the person flogging me and feel that like power exchange yeah. and energy between the two of us and so I, that's why I'm. I also don't really like yeah, absolutely play at all. don't like yeah. the pickup play. Yeah. So I mean, and more power to people who love it. I'm oh, honestly kind of jealous. No, I'm super jealous. Every time <laughs> I, I go to I play like parties, play. yeah. Every yeah. time I go to play parties, I'm super jealous that people yeah. can just do it. Like yeah. and um, and gosh, no. Well, and obviously, I'm very bad at pickups anyway. Just like in general, because um, I'm 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 terrible at dating. I think that's why I'm I'm bad at polyamory because everybody's like, "Are you polyamorous?" I'm like, "I could be. I don't know." <laughs> uh, you don't date I'm enough just to find out yeah, yeah exactly I don't date enough to like find out if I'm polyamorous yeah. I mean I know I'm open but I I, I don't know if I yeah. dating's a lot of in my mind dating's a lot of work because if I'm dating somebody that means that they're incredibly special to me and mm-hmm. I put extra effort in them mm-hmm. as opposed to just having friends like and like I said with the basis where my friends were initially we just didn't care about sexuality i don't connect that with my relationship with a person Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's uh it's a little weird (laughs) which is fine i mean you know it is what it is yeah Mm. well is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we wrap this up Mm, i can't think of anything is there anything you want to chip on or you no i've been asking all my questions all right cool (laughs) sounds great well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank this you was for really asking nice. me. It was yeah, fun. Yeah. I really appreciate you. I always enjoy our time together. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe is just a delight every time. I fucking love talking to her. She cracks me up endlessly, and she always has just the wildest batshit stories I've ever heard in my fucking life. And I love it so deeply, so, so deeply. Her her life experience just blows my mind. I, I also really love how she just started her sexual journey with this, like, incredible group of friends that was all, like, free love and not getting hung up on, you know, who's dating who and the, the you know romantic turmoil or whatever like everyone was just enjoying each other in any way that they felt appropriate and um and they just had a great time growing up together and exploring that i just i just love that so much i think that is beautiful 
and it's just it's just so cool that she got to start her her journey that way um, I, I'm sure that informed a lot of her beliefs moving forward since then you know around her sexuality and and everything so yeah thank you again Kobe for chatting with me and being so fucking awesome <laughs> I also I I have a story I have a mini story if you if you don't mind me wrapping up this episode with that with it being Valentine's Day that's on my mind I recently went to this engagement party that was Valentine's Day themed and it had a fucking blast. It was it was wonderful. And they held a love intentions ceremony or ritual, whatever you want to call it, where everyone got these like heart-shaped pieces of paper and everyone was supposed to write on their paper what their intentions for love are right now or in their life moving forward or or whatever and you're welcome to interpret that however you wish you know whether it's romantic love or friend love or self-love or whatever and and then we all gathered around this bonfire and we were all welcomed to share our story and what we wrote on our paper before throwing it into the bonfire and basically setting those intentions or releasing them. And not obviously you didn't have to share, but you know, we were encouraged to if we if we felt so inclined. And I wanted to share with you guys. I wanted to be a little vulnerable right now uh, cuz it's on my mind and um, I wanted to share with you guys what I wrote. So, I don't know about y'all, but for me, I've noticed this weird <laughs> this weird experience how Every time I've come out of a major relationship, I have this this strange experience where I kind of feel like I have whiplash of like, who the fuck am I again? Like, I don't do do I like doing these things and having these hobbies or did I only do them because they liked doing those things? You know, and I have to go through this process of like remembering who the fuck I am unpartnered and who the fuck I am unto myself and the things that I do and don't like. It's a weird experience. I don't know if, I don't think I'm alone in that, but (laughs) maybe I am. So I wrote on my paper to love fully without losing myself because I'm in this place right now where I'm making a lot of new relationships and friendships and I'm meeting really incredible people that I like a whole lot and and I can't help but be a little afraid of losing myself again because who doesn't love losing themselves when you're meeting somebody new and it's new relationship energy and everything's exciting and wonderful and, and that free-falling experience is just so intoxicating, right? And so I really wanted to set that intention of allowing myself to love fully because I'm a very passionate person. And I don't know how to half-ass fucking anything, (laughs) but also intentionally like retain my selfhood and the relationship with myself while also allowing myself to free fall and be passionate and all the things, right? So yeah, that's my intention right now for myself. And it comes from a place of, you know, both like romantic and friend love, but also self-love. So anyway, um, it was it was a really beautiful ceremony to be able to experience with so many people and getting to hear 
where they're at in their lives and their intentions for themselves and, and the relationships that they have. And I would like to pass that along to you. Um, whether you do the, the full-on ritual or not, maybe just take today, take this opportunity to pause for a minute and self-reflect and see what your intentions are for yourself with where you're at right now. I think it's always important to be able to have moments like that. And whether whether you like Valentine's Day or not, it is an opportunity if you feel so inclined. So anyway, next episode is actually a really special one. I am interviewing Paul in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and they are my ex-fiance. And we, of course, talk about their sexual history and we get into some deep traumas that they've experienced, but we also get into why we broke up and the ending of our relationship and whatnot. So it's kind of a vulnerable episode for me as well this time around, but it'll be, it's, it's a good one. And I think, I think he has a story that is worth hearing and uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that at this point. (laughs) So definitely keep your, keep your ear out for that one. Anyway, I, I hope you guys all have the most beautiful rest of your week. And until I talk to you again, stay awesome friends.